This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo pretty scary boo caitlin she's never gonna say another fucking thing on this podcast is she she has went mute she's got a and she's real not coming attitude out of it. Lately. i don't appreciate it yeah she didn't I've... start this way yeah she, like, if you were if you listen to the older episodes she talked a lot she would do voices she would contribute yeah and now it's like she's just kind of in the room but not saying anything and I cannot that's wait fine. till she is over whatever she's going through. She's like a teenager right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's Whatever's. Just, let's just wait it out. Yeah. Let's. How about we just ignore her? <laughs> yes. While she's in the room, she'll come back to us when she's ready, and she, we'll see how she likes it. Right, and then she can say "pretty scary boot" on her own. Right, but S- well, not see. on her own. It's like she has to say it with you. No, at that point, I take out. Oh, to prove a point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That makes more sense. Obviously, you have to, you have a score to settle at that point. It's about the principle. Yeah, yeah. So I have messaged you maybe eighteen times in the past week to ask when you leave for Vegas, and <laughs> you leave for Nashville tomorrow. I sure do. I feel like you're still going to end up in Vegas. I don't know how you thought I was going to Vegas because I never said Vegas. I think you were so enamored with your own recent Vegas trip. Did you know I went? yes yes and i know that you saw zach baggins haunted museum yes and i i did talk to somebody about that and um they they did say it was pretty awesome it's that i should go you should go uh they didn't say much about the pawn star place i bought a t-shirt there that's how much of an impact that place made on me and then you got to hang out with your friend portugal my friend portugal the man Mm -hmm. just one dude named portugal i mean he's Got a Grammy. Like, let's cut him some slack, right? Yeah. He can be just one yeah. man. You can have a weird name like Portugal if you have period, a Period. The man. Right. Period. And people don't realize you pronounce the period in that name. It's Portugal period the man. Period. Right. Okay. Or you can say Portugal dot the man. If, Whatever if you he's know, most if you comfortable know, with. If you know them, <laughs> you can call I them that. don't. Right. So I wouldn't push it. I would wait till well, you're comfortable. I won't. Uh, yeah, I am going to Nashville for the, the Las Vegas of the South. Is it the South? Tennessee? Yeah. Oh, the Southish? Yeah. Uh, yes. So CrimeCon starts tomorrow, which will have been like a couple weeks ago. A long ago. time ago. But yeah, well, couple... this one, because it's a little more timely, I might put it up soon. Okay. So I may or may not <laughs> have been at CrimeCon already. Interestingly enough, John Shefsky and Rich Slayton from Crime, the pod, uh, were on my flight. Nice. It was enjoyable, although I hate flying. 
And I also uh, rode with uh, Jamie Rice, the host of Murderish Podcast. And I told her, I was like, I'm a very nervous flyer. And then literally like a week before my flight, somebody was like, oh, did you see that Southwest flight? And I think they were talking about the one you had mentioned about there was a hole in the side of the Southwest plane. And yeah, one of the engines blew out. In chair, it, right? It, she got sucked over. Right. She got sucked into the side of the plane and the impact from hitting the plane is what killed her. That's some shit. That is some shit because then you die on a flight, but you're the only person that dies on that flight. But then it's like what you do is like, okay, this lady in front of me. Thankfully, she's blocking the hole. Right. But also, she's dead. Right. Like, how much longer till we land? Well, then the question is, do like, you just, are you, do are you, you just in the ca- middle? Carry on to your destination. And are you in the middle of a movie? Like, right. Like, if she's already dead, it? yeah, it's like, why? Oh, she's in the way. Yeah, like, I can't see the screen. Yeah, can't you just like tape that hole up and carry on? Move her. Where's the beverage cart? Chuck her out the hole. <laughs> Ding. No, we can't do that because then I can fly out the hole. We need something to stop it until we land. That's a good point. Yes. And again, where is that beverage cart? Right, right. I, Don't let this Now more than you. ever, people need <laughs> yes. to drink. A hundred percent. just witnessed a death Will in I the pay sky. $5? No, I won't pay $5. No, that drink I will on... take this complimentary. Yeah, that drink is on Southwest. <laughs> Extra peanuts and pretzels, please. All right. So- we're talking about the Golden State Killer today. Maybe you've heard the name in the news recently, America. Ugh. I had first heard of the Golden State Killer last year at the very first Crime Con, and that is where I met Billy Jensen, who does a lot of crime-related um, articles and TV shows. And he ended up finishing the book that Michelle McNamara wrote so he finished it with Patton Oswalt and I think another writer. The Whoever was helping her research it is the other person that finished it with them. Yeah. Yeah. And my apologies. I don't I don't. Yeah, we had this. We have this in the notes at the end. But okay. yeah, that is it's an interesting wrinkle to the story. I that, think it was so dormant for so long, though, because we were going to have him on White Wine True Crime. And Patton were, Oswalt. Billy Jensen. Oh, OK. And uh, he doesn't live too far away. And he's like, yeah, like I want the whole white wine true crime experience. I'm going to come. I'm going to Uber down. And then he, we're like, do you want to talk about the Golden State Killer? And I think he had just finished the book. And he was like, I just need a breather. Oh, but I yeah, mean, it's I been a couple of years. And now it's like, oh, even though they say that nothing from the book helped them solve the case, it still is just like ugh, crazy vindication. And I really thought this case would never be solved. So in the book, do they, do you know, do they point to this guy as No, I don't believe there were any suspects and it wasn't even on the police's radar. I did see People Magazine. Because it is, it's a crazy story how this guy got caught. Well, People Magazine recently did a show. They have a show called People Magazine Investigates on uh, the Investigation Discovery Channel. And they had that guy that uh, I believe Detective Holes. Yeah. Very attractive, by the way. Oh, nice. And you can tell he's super smart, and he was just on this mission, and obviously we're going to get into it, to right. find this guy, and you can just tell he's so smart, but like everything that he would find, and he's probably about 45, 50. So, I mean, he wasn't- Because he's, he's retiring. He's probably, re- yeah, he's retired yeah. now, mm-hmm. or about to retire. 
Yeah, well, because he's not that old. He yeah, really... well, well, it's also in the notes. But yeah, when he did what finally, when he started doing the thing that finally cracks this case, uh, he was nine months from retiring, and he had yeah. been researching this or investigating this for like twenty four years, and was like, "This was kind of my last ditch thing to." If you guys get a chance case. to watch the People magazine investigates the Golden State Killer, and now they have one with the update where it talks a little bit about the Golden State Killer's arrest, you know, right? presumably him. Um, it's so interesting because this guy just deep dives and analyzes everything. And you just know, like, he's a smart motherfucker. Yeah. And again, I think he's retiring just to be hot. I think he's just going to spend the rest of his years being hot. Well, he, that, like, oh. what better way to go out? Like, you're still... Like 45, 50, that's not that old. And you've just solved one of the biggest fucking cold cases yeah. in history. Yeah, just go out and be it's hot like s- on the speaking circuit for a few years. Oh, and 100%. What else are you going to do? Yeah. I, and I'm sure he would and he could and make a lot of you money. You will meet him at CrimeCon next year. Oh, my God. I will figure out a way to make out with him. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I don't even know if he's married. He is my new Ryan Ferguson. Sure. I'm sitting it here. He is on my radar. Mr. Holes, you are on my radar. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I guess Holes. we can talk about the case. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Mr. Holes. Holes. <laughs> I know. You make some jokes about it, which I find inappropriate only because he is good looking. And everyone knows you can't make fun of good looking people. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just going to. I actually, I had heard the name the Golden State Killer. But I hadn't ever looked into this case that much, and I didn't know... Well, he had so many different monikers. Yeah, he's got so many different monikers. His original name was the Visalia Ransacker, and then the East Area Rapist, and then the original Night Stalker. Which would be confusing, and a little bit of a slap in the face to like the Night Stalker. But he he stopped right as... The, the next Night Stalker started. But he's not called the next Night Stalker, although that would be funnier if he was. <laughs> the that Night Stalker Part 2. Yeah. Night Stalker Jr. Yeah, they kind of like retrofitted this guy with the original Night Stalker name. I felt like it was like a... Because they were like, no, yeah. we, we're we not going to have like a, a Mexican name. guy be the original Night Stalker. This guy, let's this get, blonde, blue-eyed, yeah, German, let's whatever, get this protege. Aryan wonder in as the original <laughs> Night Stalker. We're just going to sl- slip it in and leave this moniker right here next <laughs> to the other 18. And so it was kind of like as his crimes escalated, he just got better and better names. And then when they, they well, finally culminated in the Golden State Killer, which is one of the coolest serial killer nicknames of all I time. I mean, it's kind of preppy. It's kind of preppy, but it's got gold in the name. Right. Like it sounds like he won an award of some sort. Well, like in there a was way, a contest. I mean, he was a fucking badass. I mean, he did some shit. He did some shit, to <laughs> say the least. That should be on his tombstone. I did some shit <laughs> and shit. So we're gonna talk about some of his different personas and the the various crimes he committed. This is one of the boldest criminals. Right. Of all time, like hands down. He escaped getting caught so many times. So many times and would keep committing crimes and then in that same area. But then he just kind of stopped after 10 years. Yeah. And it's rare for a serial killer to do that. So typically if that happens, they're arrested and incarcerated and physically can't commit it or they're dead and physically can't commit it. It's rare for them just to stop to be like, I had a good run. Yeah. And they think that's kind of 
what happened what that it he is, started is he just, a family. Yeah, he just got too old and yeah, tired to do the shit anymore. Yeah, he sowed his wild killing oats. He is the Michael Jordan of serial killers. He just retired on top. Well, now he got caught though. So that how's his sneaker line? I would wear them. <laughs> the GSK. They're very quiet. Don't you make pump a lot them up of, full of air. Don't make a lot of noise when you step on a hardwood floor. And when those. when you watch, um, and again, I'm going to keep plugging this because I do think it was well done. The, the People Magazine one where they talk about this, there was a couple instances where they were like, uh, "We talked to the rape victims. He had a really small dick." <laughs> I mean, it's. I think they were just. It didn't really matter to the case, I guess. But it was just funny that they had to throw out that shade. So now when yeah. I look at his face, I'm like, you small dick motherfucker. Yeah, you small dick piece of shit. It makes so much sense. It does. He just looks angry, by the way. Yeah, he's he's an angry dude. So let's talk about his first run of crimes as the Vesalia Ransacker, which there's, we get pretty deep into this uh, before this even turns bad. Mm-hmm. Because up to a point, this is just almost funny. He is suspected to have committed more than 100 crimes in Vesalia, California, which I'm surprised there are even that many crime targets in Visalia, California. I don't even know what that that town is like, but I I know what that town is like. I can just picture it. So I'm surprised. Is it right outside of San Francisco? No, it's probably deep north. I would think. Like, what's the population? Because he was in the well, he was in the Sacramento area, right? Uh, So that's like Redwood City, like kind of like hippie, almost Oregon, densely populated. Yeah, but also kind of militia-esque. Like, mm. that's where all of California's Trump voters are, are like up there. I mean, and in Southern California, obviously, too. Orange County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was active under this persona from March 1974 to late 1975. And in most of these crimes, he would just break in the house and like ransack shit and arrange the people's household items in weird order and take like really stuff of really minimal value. But what's creepy is it seemed like he wanted to take things that would matter to a person or things that were irreplaceable. Like he would take piggy banks and like blue chip stamps, which I don't know if you've ever heard of those. They're like these things you could send in for products or some shit. I think I've made this clear before, but I'm not a nerd, and I do not know what that means. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll try to remember for next time. (laughs) Please. This is getting embarrassing for you. (laughs) So, yeah, he would just take shit that, you know, was not that, and then he would leave, like, money and really valuable shit laying around the house. Just completely just really quickly, unnoticed. Adam, how do you spell burglary? All right, here's the thing. I have this in the notes because I want to be honest with the listeners. We want you to be honest. And I want people to know what 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 my past has been like. So mm-hmm. I've we've talked about spelling bees before. Because both of us have been in them and on TV. Right. We were both on television. The Journal Star Spelling Bee, I'm yes. assuming? Yes. Uh, in grade school. And I'm always quick to point out that when I, w- when I made my TV debut, I had beaten an eighth grader in the school Spelling Bee 
uh, because she misspelled alien, which I was like, what the fuck? You're in eighth grade. Someone Seriously, hold this. like get your shit together. Yeah, someone hold this dame back. And like what convenience store is she working at now? Exactly. Yeah. And I, meanwhile, I, I was in fifth grade and I beat her because she misspelled such an easy word. But then eighth grade rolls around. And by this time, I'm like, I'm, I'm straight West Coast and mm-hmm. even though I'm still in Peoria. So yeah. I'm not even thinking about. <laughs> Midwest coast. <laughs> yeah, Midwest coast. Oh, Mississippi River. <laughs> so I'm not even thinking about the spelling bee, but it comes to pass that the eighth grade has no delegate to send in the school spelling bee. So I'm like, I can spell some shit. I will go handle this. And I go uh, unpracticed. I just go. Like you had a spelling chip on your shoulder. Like I was like, oh, you need put me in coach. Like I was yeah. a mercenary at this point. Right. And it, I get to the final round. It's me and a fifth grader. And I misspelled the word burglar. <laughs> and I lost. Because you I spelled it B-U-R-G-U-L-A-R, which is burgular. And Why did you think there was that extra U? <laughs> maybe it's because I'm not a criminal. <laughs> maybe it's because I'm just a clean cut kid from the Midwest who enjoys a spelling bee every once in a while. The best is the look of defeat when you get dinged <laughs> because I still have yeah. my video and whenever I show my friends, which isn't that often, but when I do take them to my mom's <laughs> house in Arizona, she loves to pull out that tape. I would like to where see Where I'm it. in seventh grade. Literally, I think I've talked about this before. I am dressed like Mindy Irwin where I've got like head to toe, tan khaki, like long prairie skirt, like a button up, <laughs> like short sleeve. Yeah. Shirt. And I have poofy bangs and a long braid running down my back and pink plastic glasses. And when I got on on Trader, I was like, Oh, stupid. <laughs> and the look of defeat on my, on my face. And I just remember I was like, but we just went to Godfather's pizza the night before to celebrate. And now I feel like I'm going home a failure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Godfather's. It was a quiet ride home. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Did they invoice you for the Godfather's later? (laughs) No, they just stopped it from my allowance. Coming out of your allowance. So that was just a fun sidebar in this horrifying story. I, I also have in the notes that I am not the Golden State Killer, despite that story. Thank you. Anyway, so yeah, he would just, like, sometimes he would steal a single earring or a single cufflink, which I love that. And he would also do this multiple times per day. At one point on... Why do you love that? Because it's just like fucking with people. Because it's at that point, it's just like a prank almost. Because it's like, did like where did I put that? Where he's obviously towing the line. Right. Where you wouldn't even... what I can get away with. And, and yeah, this will make them go insane. On November 30th, 1974, he did this 12 times in a day. So up to this point, if the crime spree had stopped there, this would be... Such a lighthearted tale. I feel like by the 12th time, I'd be like heaving myself up through our window like, do I even want to do this one? I guess. Okay, let's just go and get this over with so I can get home. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he got to 13 and was like, I don't think I can go in this one. Okay, I'm going to head home. And then what do you do? You go home and watch TV and like order takeout like a normal person? It seems like that's what a lot of these dudes do. They just go home Where and they compartmentalize it. live a normal life. That's what the Green River Killer did. One of the things that it does not get into is what his trigger was. And again, 
if you watch, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I plugged it enough. Anyway, if you if you watch any shows about the Golden State Killer that this Holes guy is on, he does talk about the fact that this guy has some psychosomatic issues, I believe, from his past. I'll wait till you get to it, but at one of the locations, they believe he dropped a notebook. Right. You've got that. Okay, so I'll talk about it, had, it when you get there. Yeah, I, well, I don't know if I put all of that in the notes, but you're right. They He dropped a notebook, and it had one page was an essay about General Custer, and then there was a story about a teacher in sixth grade that punished him yes. and made him write a bunch of lines yes. over and he never and forgot over. it. And it was so humiliating to him, which that's the kind of thing you hear it, and it's like, okay, but also he's crazy. Like, right. That n- normal, a lot of people have had to do what he's describing, right. and it doesn't make them commit 51 rapes in the span of three years there was another page too where it had almost like a park it had a punishment map is what it was written on it and it was a diagram of a neighborhood yes a neighborhood and they were never able to identify exactly what neighborhood it was but they were trying to figure this mr holes guy was my future husband was trying to figure out if he was an architect or something with construction Right. And if that's why he had it. So that was one path that they were being led down as possibly he was into that. Because it was not great drawings, but it was very detailed. Right. They said it, it was obvious he had very intimate knowledge of whatever area that mm-hmm. was, like including architecture and like the interior of some of the places and shit like that. Oh, yeah. I think he robbed one of the places and when, and some lady was like, oh, yeah, that looks like my house or my neighbor's house. Like she yeah. kind of recognized the area that he had drawn. Yeah. And this all everything we're talking about now, this all happens like in those first few years before mm-hmm. he really starts murdering people, because under every one of these periods in his life, he does kill at least one person. So there's no even as the Vesalia ransacker. He got a slow start. It's almost like when he was stealing cufflinks and you know parts of earrings it's like it was like pot to him yeah it's like a gateway yeah it was building up to something and it that's that's why i say if the story stopped there the vasalia ransacker is just a fucking merry prankster in ransacking people's houses and taking one cufflink but he would also steal weapons and ammunition and at one point on uh, September 11th, 1975, never forget. Okay. He committed his one and only murder as the Vesalia ransacker. Mm-hmm. And what happened is he broke into the house of this guy named Claude Snelling. And Claude Snelling, in February of that year, had chased away a prowler who was underneath his daughter's window. And that kind of relates to something we'll talk about later because. This guy, as he develops, he he really makes a point of surveillance and mm-hmm. really stalking an area out and learning a person's habits before he would attack them. And it seems like that's maybe what happened here, because when this Claude Snelling, they never identify this prowler that he chased away in February. But then in September of that same year, he hears someone hears some kind of commotion in his house and goes to investigate this was 2:22 in the morning when he's awoken and he finds a man in the carport of his house 
attempting to abduct his daughter. Right. And when he discovers this guy, the guy shoots Claude Snelling. And after shooting Claude Snelling, he flees on a bike, which is also this guy's M.O. The Golden State Killer always used bikes or would escape through yards and schools and things. And so Claude Snelling dies a short time later. So this is the first murder committed by this guy that we know of. And he murders Claude Snelling. And then on December 12th, he's almost caught trying to break into another house because they had police in this area had taken to literally hiding in garages near other places he'd broken into, just hoping he would break in there and they could catch him and this would all be over. And that works. He, uh, a detective named William McGowan, was hiding in a garage in the Golden State Killer, or at this time the Visalia Ransacker, shows up, and McGowan fires a warning shot, and the guy, they said he shrieked and snatched his mask off and pretended like he was surrendering. And as soon as he put his hands up and went to his knees, he fired a shot at McGowan and hit his flashlight. Mm -hmm. So the flashlight explodes in this guy's hand. Now it's dark again. And... The police rush to that guy, and he's able to get away. Yes, and I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about who he is later, but they do have suspicions for a while that he's either in the military or, and I think part of that is because of the knots that he tied. It was called a diamond knot. Right. Or that he was something like a like a policeman or police official, I guess, um, who had weapon and authority and had some of that know-how as well. Right, because he and yeah, the that's another one of his names was the Diamond Knot Killer, and mm-hmm. that's I think that all happened when he gets to Southern California and starts actually committing real murders. That was one of the characteristics of his crimes. He would always tie people up with this really specific knot. So after this shooting happens, the second shootout with the police, that's the end of his crimes in Visalia, and he moves on to the Sacramento Sacramento area and becomes the East Area Rapist. And this is an insane fucking story. Uh, he was active from June 1976 to July 1979. Carrie, where were you during this time? Uh, born. Okay, so we can't rule you out. <laughs> I was alive. I was born July 1976 in Peoria, Illinois. Mm. I was being groomed at an early age to be part of the Peoria Spelling Bee, so that's exactly where I was. Oh, okay. Where were you? Same. I was being born in Peoria also. Uh, So either of us could actually be this guy. Yeah, well, yes, either of us could be this (laughs) this dude. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Totally. So his initial MO when he moves to this area is he would stalk middle-class neighborhoods looking for women who were home alone or who lived alone and usually in single story homes near a school or a creek or something that would allow him to escape Mm -hmm. really quick. And he was spotted so many times during this crime spree. Like he would, people would just see him and he would run away and they'd be like, Oh shit, I bet that's the guy doing all them rapes. And he would just go back and rape again and again at sometimes at the same place. There were, he would be spotted in the yards of people's homes where he would eventually commit these attacks. 
and they would just see this guy for a few days beforehand, and he would still do this shit. It's insane. I mean, the ball's on this guy, but we will come to learn that he was affiliated with law enforcement. So if worse came to worse, hey, I'm on the job. So he kind of had an out, and I think that probably helped some of his cockiness. I don't know what kind of mental test that, like, policemen and firemen, like, I know there's, like, extensive background checks. So I don't know how it was back in the 70s, but still, like, the psychological evaluation, and I think a little bit about Aaron Hernandez when they're like, he scored really poorly when the NFL took a psychology analysis of him, like, yeah. his street smarts and it, and his book smarts and like I think he was bordering on you know psychosis when they tested him and he had one of the like lowest scores ever but they still hired him and then look what happened it's right. like uh, is it worth it yeah this guy he was we'll, we'll talk about it later but he was a cop in Exeter California and Auburn California so I imagine is that sm- also by Sacramento I think they so. Like they're, they're like Northern California somewhere. Okay. But I imagine there was probably a less stringent screening process. And again, God, back then. Yeah. I mean, you know, by the time this guy gets caught, because I think most people thought like, OK, he's dead. Right. He's in jail, whatever. But probably dead. It was so long ago, especially if it stopped in 86. Right. Carry the one. Is that 30 years? Yes, thirty about thirty two years. That it was kind of a done deal. That even if he did live out his years, he would be dead by now. Like there was no, and you know he thought, and they even said when they captured him, which we'll get to, he was completely surprised. Like it's been thirty years, right? Like I know I did some damage, but it was thirty years ago. Let it slide. Come on. So if I'm forty one, hold a grudge much? What did I do at eleven? You right. know what I mean? Like, I might have some unreturned library books. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's insane. So, yeah, he would he would stalk several homes at once before deciding on one to attack. And it's also believed he would sometimes break into the house ahead of time to unlock windows, unload guns, and plant items to use as ligatures. He would also call people. And he would do it sometimes just like, hey, is Ron there? And they would, no, we don't know Ron. Okay, bye. And sometimes he would call and go, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And then he'd show up and fucking kill people. I hate talking on the phone. I do too. I'm not saying this is why, but I'm saying that this doesn't help persuade me to ever answer the phone. Exactly. But back in the day, I feel like everybody answered the phone. Like you didn't have a choice. Like if it rang, like that's what you did. Yeah, and, and now he's like, oh, this guy again. Now, if he used this technique on me, he'd just be like, "Oh, that guy's never near his phone." Yeah, I just I yeah, can I break in. I can break in any time, and then he'll show up at ten thirty in the morning, and I'll hear him breaking through the door, and I'll be like, "What the fuck, bro? I'm home. You could have called first. Yeah, like the no caller ID or whatever. It, like, I don't know. It's I I don't answer any of them. Yeah, I don't answer any of them. I don't know who's calling me. When I get random numbers, I'm like, I, I really don't know how they got my number. Yeah. I have to be expecting a call to answer it. And even when I know people, I rarely answer. Like, yeah. text me. That's what text but, messaging is for. But back then, it was so different. Like, back then, the phone rings and you're like, oh, shit, it might be for me. I have to answer it. Right. Because usually it's, it's a whole household. Right. 
And so he would, but what he was doing was trying to get a feel for this person's schedule and figure out when they're home, when they're not home. But then he would also sometimes, after he had attacked someone, he would call them again and threaten to attack them again. At one point, he see they think he just randomly walked into a Denny's and saw one of his victims working there. So called her uh, like two years after he had attacked her and called her at work, which that's unsettling. That's that's what pisses me off so much. I mean, OK, so all of this is bad. Sure. Right. But the fact that it's like not only did you do the act, but then you torment them and then you go on to marry somebody and have right. a family. Yeah. So whether it's boys or girls, but it's I mean, honestly, especially girls, because that's who you're attacking. What if that was your daughter and somebody called her while she was schlubbing away at a Wendy's? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, there was one case and I cannot think of which what they called this killer. But he had abducted a girl as she was getting out of her car, I believe um, it was like right in front of her house or whatever. And somebody had abducted her at like the mailbox. And then she, so her family was like super religious and he had her write out her last will and testament, knowing that she was going to be murdered. So she had a right to her family. Like, Hey, I love you by the way. Like I'm going to die. I right. know I'm going to die. This guy's going to kill me. Uh, you know, like live on, you know, pray for me. I hope you're happy, blah, blah, blah. And then mailed it. So they got it, I believe, after she was dead. But he would call and torment the family and would talk, especially to the mother and the sister. Like, even I think, crazy. and I don't think they had found her body yet, but like they knew she was dead. So they're trying to find out where she was. And he just liked the interaction of calling them and talking to them. And it's like, could you imagine having to live with that? And they were like, we did it. It was so disgusting, but we did it because we wanted to know where our loved one was. Right. And they finally found him. And I can't remember what the tip off was, but he had been house sitting for a couple and they had taken, um, I guess like a notepad that was by the phone. And they did that thing where you take uh, the pencil over the oh, top yeah. page to find out what they wrote. And then they found, I think the note she wrote or right. something was yeah, on the Yeah, I do pad. remember that case. How crazy is that? I mean, it's a certain kind of evil to be like, I'm fucked up enough. Not only did I take your loved one, but I'm going to continue to torment you. And they're just like, it becomes almost like normal where they're like, they would yeah. play snippets from the phone calls where the sister would be talking to him and she'd be like, how are you? Okay. So like, what's new? Okay. Do you want to tell me where she is today? That's yeah. That's nuts. It's I do. I do remember that kind case. Of mind yeah. Talk. That's insane. And yeah, that's what this guy would do. And at first this is possibly this is one of the most disturbing details of this story to me. This is, it's in a Washington Post article. Uh, yeah, it's it's in one of the the Washington Post articles that we'll put up on the website called "To Find Alleged Golden State Killer Investigators." First found his great great grandparents, and there's a detail about his time as the East Area Rapist, where at first he was only attacking women who were home alone, which makes perfect sense right and then at one point he just switches and starts exclusively attacking women who are home when their husbands are home mm -hmm. and there's this story in this washington times article this guy was at a like a public forum about these rapes and he stood up to speak and was like 
Well, clearly the guy's attacking women who are home alone because if their husbands were home, right. the husbands would resist and obviously stop the attack. That guy's wife got raped a few months later while he was home. He woke up to a flashlight in his face saying, she's going to tie you up. I'm going to tie her up. I guess he uh, right. put cups and dishes on the guy's back. And he's like, if I hear them move. I'll I, kill everyone in the house. I'll kill you all. And so I guess he and then he would ransack the house. He would cook food, drink beer. And then finally he took this woman to the living room, raped her. Um, so that's OK. So I thought about this and I thought, what if they had a sign in sheet at this public forum? Like, would would that help? But then oh, yeah. again, if he was a law enforcement officer and who I, would look at that. Yeah. And I think because that's one of the theories is that he was at that public meeting. Yeah. And decided, all right, I'll fucking stalk you and your wife for a few months and he we'll see if a challenge. Yeah, we'll see if this can work out. Yep. And the thing with the dishes, I didn't put it in the notes, but one of the things he did as the Vesalia ransacker is he would lean dishes against all the entry doors. So if someone came in, he would hear that dish fall and could get the fuck out of there. So then he kind of transfers that technique here where he's stacking plates on the husband's back and is like, if I hear him rattle, I'll fucking kill everybody. And he would also, he was so quiet that there were a lot of cases where people thought he was gone and they would get up to start moving and he would just jump out of the darkness and start the attack all over again. Yeah. So he was torturing people. It's fucking horrifying. It just makes you wonder, like, what happened to him as a kid? Yeah. And it's like... They don't talk about that. They haven't addressed it yet. Yeah, they haven't. I mean, I, I imagine they just haven't had a lot of time to deal with this guy and find out study his brain yet yeah or if he's even gonna yeah. talk that makes sense and i'll be honest he does not look like a talker from all the pictures yeah he yeah. looks like he's milking the fact that he's 72 years old oh yeah like they wheeled him in on a wheelchair the first time he went and i'm not saying court. he doesn't maybe he does need to be in a wheelchair but it's just like they're like I, I think they asked his name and he said yes and that was like the only thing he said and it just makes you want to run up and punch him in his face yeah yeah it's like you motherfucker you thought you were off scot free. Yeah, I hope he lives to a ripe old age in prison. Like yeah. I hope he's got to spend a a good decade or two cuz that that's always the thing. Like someone like this gets arrested and then they go to prison and they die like 2 years later. And it's like, yeah, I where's, guess that's justice. Where's, right, where's I mean the it's justice. That, it, it's not for us to impose, but it is just like, ugh, but this wasn't a good guy. Right. And it you know, at least it's closure. For the victims' oh, families. Oh, 100%. And again, I never thought that we'd find out who it was. So in a way, I kind of didn't pay a ton of attention to this case. I was just kind of like, right. it was a while ago. Nothing's really happened. I, it, you know, you heard a little bit about it because of the Patton Oswald thing and the book that just came out. But at the same time, it's like, uh, this guy's probably dead. Uh, you're never going to find out who it is. Yeah, and the Golden State Killer himself, like under that, during that era of this guy's crimes, he only killed like he killed 10 people. And I mean, they were all really crazy, brazen crimes. But then like you sort of hear, oh, but he also committed all these rapes in uh, the Sacramento area. And there's always kind of a disconnect where you're like, OK, but no one died. 
And then you look into the details and it's like, yeah. those people probably died on the inside after that shit happened. Well, yeah. Like that you, is, you would almost rather die in some of those situations. Well, they have this one lady, uh, I think her name is Jane. She's victim number five. I've watched so much of this that I yeah. know she's victim number five. And she talks about how she was laying in bed with her son, who was like five years old. And he took, she goes, as soon as my husband left, I hear the garage go down. And minutes later, I hear running down the hall. And I think maybe my husband forgot something. And it's this guy running in. And all of a sudden, you know, he's angry. And he carries my son out of the room. And I realize I'm going to be raped. And the whole time all I'm thinking about is like my son. And I think she was like, oh, I hear him going to the kitchen. It sounds like he's making like eggs and bacon and like eating yeah. breakfast. And the fact that she goes, I, it, there was a recent interview with her and she goes, I cried when they caught him. I mean, she was probably in her 20s when right. this happened and she's in her 60s now. And it's just like, oh my God, this has not left her. No, yeah. And it, like, th- this was a such a horrific crime spree. Yeah. Like, he, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but he committed 51 of these fucking attacks. It all in this one really concentrated area of California. I mean, he was legitimately terrorizing these people. And this is before he even turns into the original Night Stalker. It's like, how do you have that much time on your hands? Yeah. Weren't you in a bowling league or something? I wonder if he had to be like combining his police duties with like, oh, stalking. Yeah, I'm out on patrol, yeah. so... But, like, a lot of times he was just walking, and... You know who that reminds me of is a BTK killer, who right. was a meter mate, essentially. Yeah. And who was very hard to deal with, who had a very... Everyone said he was odd, he had a very short temper, and that was one of the ways he stalked people, kind of like, I'm a public servant. Yeah. But he watched them, and he tormented them. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, that's what this guy... Like, this guy legitimately tormented people, and the, the degree of stalking and reconnaissance that went into these crimes is so fucking unsettling. And as the East area rapist, he also eventually does commit one murder. Uh, well, two murders. Yeah. It was a couple. Yeah. On, but how was the dog? Did the dog survive? That's the thing. I, what happened is it was on February 2nd, 1978. And this couple named Brian and Katie Maggiori, were walking their dog near this area where five other rapes had happened. And apparently some kind of confrontation breaks out and they end up running and he chases them and shoots them both dead in the street. And they figure out from there was a shoestring left at the scene and they figure out from that that it was this East Area rapist. Because they believe he did bring pre-knotted ropes and things right. and ligatures so that he could detain people just faster and easier to bring them. Right. Can you imagine like to, you're sitting at home watching Seinfeld and like pre making knots or mash probably back in the day. Yeah. 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 I wonder how that happened because he didn't normally attack people on the street. It was normally, I think though he was so narcissistic slash probably I would assume there was some paranoia to a bit where he just, you know, he felt confronted for whatever reason, or and he had a trigger. I or I wonder if he had been stalking this couple and just thought 
well, when they walk their dog is the best time for me to do this. Really? It could be. See, I felt like this one was random. Yeah. Yeah. It it could have been. Because this was near the beginning of his, it sounds like, his murdering streak. Well, this was one of the last crimes he commits as the East Area Rapist. But only, I think, his second and third murder. It's his second murder because he he committed the one murder as the Vesalia Ransacker. So he's growing more, more bold. Right. And so he he commits this murder and on the, he commits a few more uh, rapes in that area and then moves on. But one weird thing that happens while he is uh, active as the East area rapist um, on December 11th, 1977, which is the same day a man that police believe was the East area rapist just narrowly escaped police. He called the police and told them what street he was going to commit an attack on that day. So, of course, the police stake it out, and they find him. But he manages to get away. And on that same day, he sends a letter to the newspaper in town with this crazy poem that I was going to put in the notes, but it's so fucking long. Uh, If you go out, just even go out on the Wikipedia page for the Golden State Killer, it's there. But they think just the exhilaration of almost getting caught and getting away inspired him to write this poem and send it to the newspaper. Yeah. So not only is he that fucking bold about these crimes, we just caught him just now. But again, I think he had that guise where he is like, if they find me, I'll be like, I'm just a guy on patrol. I'm one of you. Yeah. Yeah. He had had that out. Right. Um. So after the, like we said, he committed 51 rapes during this time span. Like we said, if I've said it once, I've said yeah. it a million times. Like we, we can't drive Stress it home it enough. enough. 51. Yeah. Which is an unsatisfying number. Make it, either make it 50 or 52 to make it like Round. more a week. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's such a piece of shit. So then after, after this, he... For reasons they still haven't really figured out, he just moves to Southern California. I mean, it probably had something to do with him being the East Area rapist and almost getting caught by police or maybe several times. He took surfing lessons in Costa Rica like I did at a surf camp, and now he thinks he's a surfer. That could be. Mm-hmm. Maybe he retired to open like a cabana bar on the beach, like in the movies. Like a Ron John surf shop? Yeah, yeah. Could be. A, a big dog He's apparel? Out, <laughs> yeah, just out there waxing <laughs> boards all day. And some he, curls. I wonder if he got married or... He did. But I wonder if that's what the move to Southern California was about. Oh, okay. Um, because when they finally catch him, he's living with... Following that tale. He's living with his daughter and granddaughter. Yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming his kids are probably... Roughly our age, maybe a little older. But one of them, someone we know. Probably. Yikes. Golden State Wild. Ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. I bet it's Chet. Yep. I bet it's Chet. Damn it, Chet. They got that small dick in common. Whoa. (laughs) But the psychic said it was so thick. But he didn't say, he said it was girthy. It's like a plate. Big. (laughs) (laughs) That he puts on a man's back, and if it moves... (laughs) Then he'll kill him. <laughs> With sex. <laughs> well, I don't know how Chet works. I just know how his dad works. Oh, Hi, man. Winter. Hi, puppy. 
I winter. So, yeah, he, he moves to Southern California. He's active as the original Night Stalker or the Golden State Killer from October 1979 to May 1986. And the only survivors of any of his attacks at this point are the first people he attacks, which I believe were in Santa Barbara or Santa Barbara County. And he attacks this couple. And when he ties them up and leaves the room, they obviously start screaming very loudly. And one thing we'll, we will come to discover with the Golden State killings is very shitty neighbors. In a lot of cases, but not this case mm-hmm. because they start screaming and their next door neighbor is an FBI agent. So he's like on it. Whatever's happening, I'm on it. So I don't know if you've heard me mention that People Magazine investigates yet. Um, they had a show on investigation. Uh, discovery. Is it about the Golden State Killer? It is. Should people check it out? They should. And there is a reenactment where I believe. So the wife is tied up and then the husband and the Golden State Killer start scrapping right so the wife is able to get free and she runs out the front door screaming and then like in a bad horror movie she trips and falls so the golden state killer runs into the front yard and grabs her and starts to drag her back into the house which i i already think is ballsy because i'm like very ballsy "Eh, yeah i think i'll just cut my losses and run home or run to my win that i stole and (laughs) ride off into a creek bed and again, in the reenactment, he looks over and then the FBI agent neighbor comes out into his porch and was kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. And like sees him. <laughs> and then, you know, he decides to let the woman go and she falls and then he runs off again, grabs the bike and, right. and pedals off. And I believe at that point, the FBI agent jumps in his car, follows him and you know, the Golden State Killer knows that he's being followed. He sees some woods. He ditches the bike right. and he runs into yeah. the, the wilderness. To think that you come that close to getting caught by an FBI agent and you're like, all right, I'll just be better next time. Like, I'll be more yeah. careful and I'll pull it off next time. Like most people I would think would be like, all right, it's this right. Is this too was much. a close call. Like, this was my bottom. Yeah. Maybe it was a sign. That I shouldn't stop raping and killing people. Yeah. There's, I don't remember what show it was or what case it was, but one of the creepiest things I ever heard on a true crime show, this woman was talking about how she was driving home and saw a woman, she described it as screaming for her life and trying to get out of this car. Like her top, the, the driver had no shirt on. He was this like huge dude. And, the woman was just like weirded out. So she kept driving and then they find that woman that was trying to get out of the car dead a few days later. And when this, and she didn't pull over and call anyone or get home and call. Well, anyone? she, yeah, she called like when she got down the road, but she wasn't going to like stop. I mean, when was it? Cause it's true. I don't know that I would stop. Well, no, that's, that's not the, the, the point I'm making, but oh, sure, yeah, sure, she shouldn't interrupt. She gets down the street and she makes the call, which is what you know, probably the safe thing to do. But they still find that woman dead. And when she's interviewing the police about or interviewing with the police about what she saw, they're like, Look, you should take a different way home from work going forward because you saw that guy's face and he saw you seeing his <gasps> face and he still murdered that woman. Like most people would be like, 
Well, I can't. Oh, that's I can't, a good point. I can't do it now because you saw my face. I have to just let her go and cut my losses. You know what would have been badass is if she would have reversed and then like plowed into his car. Yeah, yeah. Full speed. And like, killed them both. <laughs> I wish there was a way for the girl to survive. <laughs> but if they both have to go, they both have to go. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's what it takes to dish out justice on these streets. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's for the betterment of whoever else he was inevitably going to kill. Yeah. So, so yeah, this guy is bold. He is very bold. The bold killer. <laughs> the Bolden State Killer. I like it. So his first actual murder of this period happens on December 30th, 1979. Dr. Robert Offerman and Dr. Deborah Alexandra Manning were found shot dead at Offerman's condo in Goleta, California. Neighbors heard the gunshots, but ignored them because they attributed them to, quote, innocuous causes. Because you know how sometimes you're just firing a gun off in your condo for gigs, shits and gigs? Yeah. And the neighbors are like, oh, that's old that's old gun store Larry firing off his automatic weapons in his you, condo. Well, again, I don't know how this was back then, but I wonder now if I heard something like that, I'd be like, oh, it's a movie they're watching probably. Yeah, I suppose. Right? It would have to be something like that. Or they just didn't know what gunshots sound like. Because if it's a condo that a two doctors are living in, it's probably pretty fucking nice. Right. And those people So yeah, maybe probably they're just not used to it. Didn't grow up hearing gunshots on the reg. So they just they didn't know what they were hearing, maybe. Do what white people do best and they ignore it. I think white people normally like run to the source of scary sounds, and that's why they always get killed first in horror movies. Are you kidding? I think they want to pretend like it never happened. They don't want to be involved. Yeah, I suppose there's that, too. That's, yeah. yeah like, that's okay, who wasn't me. It wasn't me. That was my shaggy. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you were like burping or something. No, no, that was sh- <laughs> shaggy. You know he's t- uh, teaming up with Sting. I know. I thought it was an April Fool's Day prank. <laughs> I did, but too. I thought so, somebody like superimposed their heads because I was like, <laughs> what is Sting doing on a moped? And then all of a sudden I saw them in Andy Cohen's uh, clubhouse. And I was like, wait, they really are doing a thing Sting together? Sting was on Andy Cohen's clubhouse? No. Okay. First of all, Sting <laughs> just did something with Shaggy. Second of all, yes, they were in Andy Cohen's Playhouse, Clubhouse, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I guess if you're recording albums with Shaggy, it makes sense. So <sighs> I know. We all think he's better than that. It's fine. <laughs> so it's also believed he brought a dog to the scene of this crime. I never heard that before. Which is weird. They had they found very large paw prints from a dog. They believe he fed the dog leftover Christmas turkey, which that was chill of him. Give that good boy some some turk. Fair. But why bring a dog? I'll be honest. I had never heard this before, so I'm not sure where you got this from. And I'm not saying that it's inaccurate. Just I, <laughs> I just I've never heard that. Yeah, it's uh, what are we'll put the the links up. We there's a Washington Post article. Two Washington Post articles. Uh, that's just a tweet. The New York Times. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Christmas turkey. Christmas so, turkey. Do you think it was winter that was with him? Uh, I do not think it was winter. 
And Winter was just hobbling around on her three good legs with her with that uh, weird toy in her mouth that has a leash on it. The the tampon tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> she. I could not figure out what it looked like, which is so weird because I've been putting tampons in for such a long time. That's exactly what it looks like. It's shaped <laughs> like one. It's got the string at the end. And I kept pulling on the butt end of the string like five like minutes a, ago. It looks like a tampon for the the woman in Shrek. Because it's gigantic and green. Okay, I get it. God damn it. You could have done better than that. Well, I didn't, though. <laughs> so here we are. So uh, during this same attack, he also broke into two other units in the same complex and stole a bicycle at one point. He likes bikes. He sure does. What if he has, like, really good calves? You know how bike riders oh, I have bet really he good does. calves? I bet he does. One especially noteworthy. Ooh, could it have been Lance Armstrong? He's only got the one ball, though. I don't know if he's got the, the test for, uh, yeah. Right? That's a good point. That's like the bigger or smaller question that we need to ask. Uh, one of the more noteworthy killings that happened during this period, he kills a couple named Keith and Patrice Harrington on August 19th, 1980. Patrice is a nurse in Irvine. Keith Harrington is a medical student at UC Irvine. And the attack wasn't that much different from the others, which were basically in these attacks, it was a lot like the East Area Rapist, but then he would either shoot the people or bludgeon them to death at the end instead of leaving those pesky witnesses behind. The interesting thing is the Night Stalker Part 2, Richard Ramirez, who actually is my favorite serial killer, my mo- the one I find most interesting. I shouldn't say my fa- my favorite, but... Uh, the one I do find most interesting, he also started like in the L.A. area and then at the end of his run ended up in Orange County, which was completely yeah. off the beaten path. So, yeah, what made this particular attack important is that Keith Harrington's brother in the years after spent nearly two million dollars of his own money supporting California Proposition 69. What? What number nice. is it? What? Six, proposition 69, <laughs> which allows for DNA collection from all felons and certain other criminals <laughs> in California. So this was a case that led to a important breakthrough in DNA collection in the state of California. But nevertheless, he killed 10 people in total during this time. Most of the attacks happened between 79 and 81 with one stray killing that just kind of came out of nowhere in 1986, where it was a girl who I think her parents had left on vacation or something, and I bet he was just living nearby and knew they were leaving and was like, I've got one more in me. For old time. Let's get the gang back yeah. together. The gang of one. You, right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We're all here. Yeah. <laughs> Gang's already here. <laughs> Let's go out and do this. So, finally, on April 24th, 2018, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department arrested 72-year-old Joseph D'Angelo, a former police officer in Auburn and Exeter, California, in connection with the Golden State Killer case. He was caught using a genealogy website, which is crazy. Yeah. Basically, as we've talked about before, Paul Holes, 
that's his, is it Pete Holes? It's Paul Holes. I've been thinking Pete this whole time, but no, Paul. Paul Holes. Paul. He's an investigator and DNA expert. He uploaded the killer's profile to a site called GED Match, which what a weird name. It seems like a place where you would Get upload GED. your DNA to find other people who didn't graduate high school and just got their GED instead or something. I'm I don't know. That wasn't a joke you put in the notes, but no, this one just came. <laughs> that just one, right now is organic. I liked it. Yeah, that one. I, I pulled that out at the last minute. Yeah, I guess I was always looking at it like Jed Match, which how intrinsically he investigated this. So you said before, he's nine months from retirement, have been investigating this case for 24 years. It was his last ditch attempt to crack it. The site he uploaded the profile to allows users to search a database of roughly 1 million profiles. Uh, this was only possible because one especially diligent pathologist saved a duplicate rape kit from one of the GSK's 1980 attacks. So they also look at family connections. Through that, right. the site returned to match sorta. It found 10 to 20 distant relatives of the killer. From there, Holes' team started building family trees and looking for common ancestors, finally locating the killer's great, great, great grandparents. Like, that's some shit. Like, at first that when I heard some shit. it was through, like, DNA randomly, I was like, oh, it's somebody like me who would just go in and be like, I saw Ancestry.com. I want to know how much Norwegian <laughs> I have in me. Like, I would think it would be something like that. But he used this to literally go back and start with his great, great, great grandparents. And then they he used... They start building family yes. trees. Yes. And they and then use ruling people out that way. They use census data, old newspaper clippings, a gravesite locator to kind of find all of these different relatives. Mm -hmm. And he mentions in one of these articles that when you do that, these trees can build into like thousands and thousands of well, people. Of course. And they had to go through every one of these people. Right. And it took them four months to build out all of these family trees. And they eventually narrowed it down to two people. Yep. And there was one guy that they said looked really good on paper yeah. and could have been the killer, but then uh, he wasn't a DNA match. They tested one of his family members. So that left uh, D'Angelo. And they start surveilling him. Mm -hmm. And how did they end up getting... Did he just throw something away? Yeah. And Okay, so fr from all of the shows that I've watched about stuff like this. Yeah. They'll follow him to like a mall or something. And if he goes like an orange Julius, uh, sure. if he throws away a cup, they will put it right. Yeah. And in then just a bag that. and they'll use that sample. So I don't, they don't say what the sample was, but that's essentially what they did to find out that it was him. And then I also thought too, so if you're drawing out the tree and I just imagine they're doing it with like pencil and paper, like at one point they wrote his name down and to be like, wow, that name ended up being the Golden State Killer, where I'd probably be like, it's none of these people. Yeah. This is a shot in the dark. But he found it this way. This guy is brilliant and good looking. Brilliant and good looking. Yeah. So, yeah, they they get his DNA sample from an item he discarded, and they test it. And he's been charged with, I think, 12 counts of murder uh, in connection to the Golden State killings and i don't know i'm assuming he'll be charged later with the east area rapist stuff a lot of times what they'll do is they'll they'll charge you with one thing and not charge you with the other thing in case that first prosecution goes 
Like when an NFL team decides to kick right. the field goal on third down, because then if you botch the snap, you just have fourth down to try it over again. So who knows if he'll even be charged on the rest of this stuff. But if they get one conviction, it'll be tied up in appeals anyway. Right. And again, dependent upon if it gets the death penalty or not. But he, he's essentially going to live the rest of his life in prison. So I'm glad he at least got that. It prompted me after I read your notes to look up the Bill Cosby case. Okay. Because there's been stuff on social media that says, you know what? He's old enough. He's blind. Leave him alone. I've seen I've seen posts like that. And it's right. so angering because it's like, you know what? Like he did. I do. I do believe that he like fucked up and did these things he's accused of. I, I believe he did. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's so he in jokes about it on his albums. The fact that he's so indignant about it, too, just makes you want to like punch him in his blind little eyes. And right. And then that Tom Messero with the white hair, the fluffy white hair, uh, who also... Should uh, we get Aphrodite Jones back on to talk about that? I think we should. He was also the lawyer during the Michael Jackson um, pedophilia case. Because his whole thing in the Michael Jackson thing is, no, Michael Jackson got fucking railroaded. And that was... Aphrodite Jones wrote a book about that. I would love to get Aphrodite Jones on to talk about... You're saying it is the Cosby Bill Cosby? Thing. Yeah. Let's do it. I might see her at CrimeCon day one. Ask her if she'll do it. I will... Yeah, I think I think she'll do it. I would love to have her on. I do want to talk about it. I think it's interesting when people are like, well, they're this far along. Let them go. The people who got murdered or yeah. raped or in any of these situations where they're victims, like even if there's a small amount of justice, it's justice. And if they have to end out the rest of their days like this, the people that they victimized didn't have a chance or a right. choice in what happened to them. And some of them, one of the girls, that, and it wasn't mentioned mentioned here, it was mentioned in um, the People Magazine Investigates. Um, just, I know I haven't talked about it yet. Um, <laughs> but it was this girl who was 13 years old, and she goes, I knew everything about that case. And they talked about crime being down during that point because like, people were so scared to rob places because everyone had right. guns and security and everything else. And she goes, I read so much about this case when he came in. She goes, I knew it was him. She goes, so it was me and my mom. So her mom was probably in her 30s. Yeah. And she goes, and there's me. And she goes, I was waiting to find out. Because I think he bound them both. And she goes, I was waiting to find out who was going to put the cups on. And when I heard him put them on my mom, I knew I was going to be raped. So he raped her. And then, you know, some whenever he left and she was like, I hopped over and I think started screaming. And then like a neighbor came and like let right. her loose. But she goes... He wanted me to be scared, and I refused. As a 13-year-old girl? Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, so now she has a nose piercing, but it looks like that's the worst thing that happened to her. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, wow. I mean, again, she so vividly, 20, 30 years later, remembers exactly right. what happened. And then her mom was there, and it's like... This is a stuff that will never leave you. It's formed, right. you know, future relationships and yeah. There's trust no issues. there's no age limit on when a person should get punished for something like this. I agree. Like, I agree. And I even hope if he dies, happen to him the day after he goes to prison. At least the fucking intent to punish him you was know, there. They do. So they've been looking at brains. You know, scientists have been researching brains for people with um, like Aaron Hernandez CTE. Right. It would be interesting to do more brain because you don't hear a lot about that. I think Ted Bundy actually was like, study my brain. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see if they have like a common defect or something 
that makes them because I think it's a frontal lobe. Like if it gets fucked up, you don't have reasoning. Well, that's a thing that it comes up in a lot of serial killer cases where a lot of them as kids suffered some sort of head trauma. And it's obviously not really an excuse, but it's also like that's a thing. Like if nothing else, if if we can establish that link enough times, at least going forward, if a kid has a head injury like that, fucking put him on serial killer watch and make sure he doesn't start murdering and raping prostitutes in his locale. Like there's no harm in because killing animals. Right. And, and people, there's a a tendency to want to tie this to like, Oh, they hate women or like, and it's like, yeah, but also a lot of people hate women and don't do this. Right. So there's something else at work that needs to be examined. And there is no crime in admitting, yeah, maybe it is mental health to some extent. Right. And maybe it like, what's the harm in, okay, this kid suffered a head injury. We need to watch him kind of the rest of his life and make sure he's not, you know, suffering repercussions from that, that we can't see. Like, I think that was a lot of, what happened with Aaron Hernandez. Like he had one of the worst cases of CTE that has ever been seen in a brain so far. So you're saying just monitor him with like regular checkups. I would, I mean, there's gotta be something like that. There should be like, there should be a concussion protocol for life. Well, I mean, you kind of talked about in your notes, the thing you say, is this a good thing? And you talk a little bit about freedom. So, I mean, does that kind of go with the whole, your I guess your thought your notes on on freedom because you talk specifically about like the DNA like if we start sharing well, it it's it's not so much me it's a thing people have brought up okay and that in that the way this guy was caught it's something no one's there's gonna be no uproar or questioning over how it happened because it's a cool story and it took down a legitimate monster But it's also the kind, it's like the police going through, like your family members are being used to inform on you without their consent. Yeah. Basically. And it's a thing where you're not going to hear a lot of people bring up privacy concerns and how alarming, because that it is kind of alarming that they solved the case this way. That I like it. No, I mean, yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, yeah. it, we talked, we just talked a couple weeks ago on an episode of Unpops about mask laws. In the 50s and 60s, when the KKK was just dominating the South, they passed all these laws in 18 states. They passed laws that were like, fine, if you're going to a protest, you can't wear a mask. And people were like, fuck yeah, because fuck the KKK. And even back then, a lot of people were like, okay, but. That's a thing that could get used against you in the future because you're not you're being very broad with it. And you're just saying no masks at protests. So now fast forward to just a couple weeks ago, there are all these Nazi ra- there's this Nazi rally in Georgia and all of these counter protesters show up and the police arrest everyone wearing a mask, all the counter protesters. And they're like, we're here to protest against Nazis. Why are you arresting us? And they're like. Because you can't wear a mask at a protest, dude. 
And they're like, well, that was written because of the KKK, but it wasn't written that way. It was written very broadly in a way that you as a person on the other side could be, you could be in the crosshairs of that at some yeah, point in the future. Yeah, but I feel like that's, I don't know. I don't want to say like it's insignificant, like, okay, you know what I mean? Like they're not serving a hard time. Like, yeah, it's annoying and I understand like what they're talking about, but at the end of the right. day, like this obviously helped bring down one of the worst killers in California history, if not U.S. history. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm all for it. It's it's the the kind of thing. It's like after 9-11, we passed a lot of crazy shit because 9-11 happened and right. we were very scared. Right. And most of it isn't going to prevent another 9-11. And it's just us being spied on now. Right. But when something traumatic like this happens, that's kind of the our our kind of go to response is okay. We'll give this up if you can fix this problem. Yeah, and it's like it's obviously great that this guy got caught, but I do get the the privacy concerns that people are bringing up. It's just a thing that you have to hope doesn't get abused in the future. I mean, I hope it doesn't. But again, if it can not only catch killers but also possibly exonerate killers, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested how far into exoneration it goes. I, I might have talked about this on here. I definitely know I talked about it on White Ryan True Crime, but they had something called um, Dallas DNA where they would take select cases and try them. Like, again, they were like, okay, if your argument is compelling enough, we'll retry your DNA because it wasn't around 40 years ago. Right. And see if it matches this rape. And there were people who had been in there since they were 20. Now they're 60. And they're like, yeah, it wasn't yours. Okay, you're going to go. Uh, you can't sue us. Here's a toothbrush. And right. And you've got nothing else. And then the lawyers are like, okay, we got you some clothes at JCPenney's. And... Do you have relatives you can stay with? Okay. You you still have to register as an offender, even though we exonerated you and you can't sue us. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, but these people are like, but I'm free. Yeah. But that, that's shitty. But they also found people, what part? The fact that they were ever convicted? The fact that they were ever convicted and the fact that when they get out, they're like, okay, but you can't ever yes. sue us. Yes. Like you should. But you crave they your freedom that badly. They shouldn't have to sue you. A hundred percent. Like they should just get, there should be a standard thing and it should be very high. There should be a standard set amount that you are awarded. If it's proven you were wrongly convicted and sent to prison. Like that should that is a no fucking brainer. Like you should be given that check on your way yeah. out the door. Like this many years time because it's so much money a day. It's so hard to readjust to society after being in prison. Even if you're in prison for a couple years, there are people who that's enough. They're just yeah. like, all right, I'm in and out of prison the rest of my life now. Yeah. But in the, these cases, we're talking about people who went to prison before there were smartphones, before there was oh, yeah. Uber, before there was fucking satellite TV. And they're just like, what is this world I'm living in? And also I have to register as a convicted felon, even though I didn't do what they said I did. Right. And it's like, those people deserve some money. Like the they, do, they deserve part. money and they deserve 
a lot of assistance in getting their life back in order. But think about even like the basic commonalities. Like if we were to have a conversation, it's like, so what do you do for a living, Adam? Oh, uh, I don't have a job. I'm having trouble getting hired because uh, I have a felony. So you have to go through the interview process. We have to right. keep telling them what happened and put it on your resume. And then what do you say? Where were you for the last 20 years? What do you tell people? Yeah. I would lie. Prison. Yeah. I would lie. And I would say I was a bartender at Sandals in the Bahamas. Yeah. But fuck this guy, though. Oh, totally fuck this yeah. guy. He uh, hopefully spends a lot of time in prison, and I hope it's very unpleasant and uh, painful and an awful experience. Because he doesn't look like he's ever smiled in his life. He is... This guy is a walking piece of trash. Yeah, like, he is trash. He, like... It would be too easy, but he, this is the kind of criminal where, like, if the judge was just like, get on your knees and just shot them in the head in the courtroom, yeah. we'd all be like, that was a bit much, but yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. D- don't do it to everyone going forward, just like this thing, but that was fine for him. He needs some old school justice. Yeah. For him, it was fine. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing with this. Like, however, whatever it took to caught this, catch this fucking guy, it's like... We can deal with the legalities and technicalities of it later, but it's a really good thing that this guy good job, Mr. Holes. got caught. Good job, Mr. Holes. <laughs> Going to be plugging a lot more holes going forward, you big stud. Unless he's married. I wonder I, if there's a Mrs. Of course, Holes. Of course he's married. And he ha- probably has like 2.5 beautiful children. Two and a half, yep. And a nice house and a white picket fence. And I and bet it's the torso rubber. of the half one, and it's a very attractive torso. Of course. Yeah. And they're all like track leads. Track leads. <laughs> <laughs> they run track. I think those are just athletes. <laughs> it's a pretty blanket term. It covers anyone. But who they does especially run that fast. Stuff. Oh, okay. That makes. I sense. do remember seeing an interview, and I'm pretty sure it was on People, uh, where uh, he did talk about running. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just assuming his kids followed suit. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we talked. I. I also had stuff about Pat and Oswalt in the notes, but we talked about that up top. But it is an interesting twist that yeah. she was researching this book at the time of her death. What and a crazy death for her. Yeah, undiagnosed heart condition. Uh, and in your sleep, that's the way to go. Not on a plane, I'll tell you that much. No, unless you're sleeping on the plane. I, I am going to take some um, melatonin tomorrow. Melatonin's great. The only thing Never about it, it don't have you taken it before uh every night oh you can't take it every night because if you take it every night your body stops producing it and then you're just well then how do i fall asleep by taking more melatonin like your your body becomes your body stops producing it so you just are you're not supposed to take it every have you ever tried valerian no try valerian root okay it'll do the trick it smells like uh feet dipped in rancid ass but it will, I cannot wait. It will knock you out. It's just it's just in a capsule, so you just meh, with water. Ah, that's why I prefer my sneaky feet in a capsule. Yeah, I use it to smuggle weed through the airport because it's so pungent. No one would ever smell the weed in that bottle. I just use my vaginal cavity. Yeah, I I usually already have stuff up there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I usually Good I put my liquids. For you. Up we all there. have our. Places. My above three ounces. Yeah. Like, I don't want to things. check in this bag. What can I put in my vaginal cavity? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it's I like put, a third my sho- carry on. put my shoes up there. Things like that. That way you don't have to take yeah, them off when you go through. Off. Exactly. Security. Smart. 
there. So that's the Golden State Killer. There's obviously way, way more to the story, and you'll hear lots about it on various documentaries. I don't know if, Carrie, if you've seen one recently that you could recommend that people might want to watch. Nope. No? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just anything that's out there should be fine. Mm -hmm. What do we have to plug before we get out of here? Patreon.com slash Unpops. I don't know. Is this a free episode? Even if it's not, go subscribe again. Yeah, this is a great network. Um, It'd be great if you guys would support. We still get um, a lot of nice emails. They typically come to me because I think people are a little bit scared of Caitlin. Um, But I love it. I love the interactions (laughs) with with people. And I don't care if they will eventually kill me or not. I will answer each and every one of you. But yeah, we get a lot of nice messages from people who are like, oh my gosh, like I stumbled upon your, your podcast and I love it and I binged and we love you all and thank you for listening. We do love you all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, I'm on tour with Chet Wild. Come see me. Although I don't... But feel free to leave as soon as Chet gets on stage. Well, he's going up before me, so... Well, come late. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, unpops.com slash tour. You can get tickets for and all those demand shows. demand half your money back. May 16th through the 20th, we will be on the road telling jokes at your face holes. And then I'm moving this month. Good times. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. Carrie, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.